everyone. Hi, hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. I'm sitting here in Dining Room Studios with Jay Larson of The Crab Feast and plenty of other things. Welcome, Jay Larson. Thank you, Dining Room Studios. That is what I call it. I love it's it. what it used to be, a dining room, <laughs> For not sure. a studio. Mm-hmm. But it is a studio now. It is. I call it the dojo when I walked in. I know, yeah. It's got a dojo feel. And it, the funny thing is you're like, is this the dojo? And I'm like, I think I know what you mean. And I'm just going to go ahead and say, yeah, this is where we do it. I think that's what you mean. Yeah. So it is. Now you, okay, so originally we were going to do this earlier today, Mm -hmm. but then you got a last minute audition, Mm -hmm. which is all auditions are last minute pretty much. This was like stupid last minute. This was, I was at the gym at 1220, okay, and I got on the Stairmaster, Mm -hmm. a real one. First time on a real one. You know the one where the the, the stairs with are the actual, actually right, rotating. Because you, you, you could eat shit on that. Oh, you can, <laughs> you could get messed up on that. Yeah. And I like checked my email and was like, audition today. And I'm like, that can't be right today. Mm-hmm. I was like, today? And it was 3 o'clock. And that's when we were originally scheduled for. It was 12.20. Luckily, it was on the west side. So I hit you up. Can you switch? Hit my wife up. Are you cool if I, I'm, I'm not there to put the kids down? Right. And switched everything around and got home and had time to pick out an outfit, shower, shave, and then work on the sides and then go to the audition. And what was it for? It was a guest star for that Rob Lowe show on Fox. Oh, The Grinder. The Grinder. Mm, what would your character be? Do you mind going into this much detail? No, I don't care. I was going in to be the boss of someone that works with Rob Lowe. I, one of the women who's a lead in the show, I'd be like their boss mm-hmm. or, or her her boss, but I, I have no idea. I don't, I'm not, I don't watch the show, so... Um, but it was a fun read, and I did well in the audition. Fingers crossed, guys. Good. Fingers Did you crossed. see a lot of you types there? Mm-mm. That's what I liked about it. There was there was a whole other... I hate that when I walk into a room and it's like, I'm like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I see all these guys that like, yeah, that's who it should be. Cast uh-huh. that guy right there. That's who you're looking for. Because they say it's... I never realized how much a, a casting director does until I, I did this movie a year and a half ago and I was like, oh my God, who else could you see play that role? And so today, luckily, it was everyone else was in there for a role before me mm-hmm. and then I was the first to go for this guy. Oh, okay. And then some dude came in after me that was in there for it and he looked exactly what the description was that they were looking for. Which was? They were looking for like a guy in his late 30s, thinning hair, but like in... I, they said like surprisingly handsome, right? And <laughs> uh-huh. this guy was like real good looking. He was in great shape, and he didn't have thinning hair. Mm, I feel like there's no surprise there. Yeah, exactly. You just be like, oh, he's good looking. Mm-hmm. I don't have thinning hair, as far as we know. Right. But I'm I'm a little overweight, so for me, I'm like, oh, I could maybe. Either mm-hmm. way, I had a fun read with it, and I did a good job. And I don't really need to put myself in a position where I'm going to feel vulnerable about my weight right now. Yeah, you don't need to. <laughs> Do you? No. Good. I mean, no, I'm, I'm working at it, guys. I was on the Stairmaster today. I know. What? Now, Fucking so many things to address. First of all, mm-hmm. you admitted that you were on a high-risk kind of exercise machine, Stairmaster, with the actual stairs, not the little things, where you, not the elliptical mm-hmm. or what have you, the thing where, where they just go up and down, mm-hmm. but 
but your feet are on terra firma. The I do the elliptical a lot, but I'm like, I need to step it up a little bit. Right. No pun intended. And so I was like, I'm going to go for that stair. I mean, that's got to be the toughest thing in the cardio world outside of like running. And then you checked your email, though. That's what I'm saying. You are like, you're an extreme kind of guy. It wasn't moving. Oh. But I did, I did have music going and was checking music and changing music. But still, I wasn't like at a high speed or anything. I'm trying to go with that fat burning level, which supposedly is it like for me would be 134 beats per minute on my mm-hmm. heartbeat. So, guys, listen, am I here to talk? <laughs> are you here to talk about fitness? I will. I'll talk about can. what else. Now, how do you feel? when you find out an audition is in less than three hours because i it's been a long time since i've auditioned for anything but back in my auditioning days i was always uncomfortable with the not enough time yeah i'm always uncomfortable put it this way i'm a procrastinator Mm -hmm. big time and i can't really focus on something unless it's like the clock is ticking and normally i'd be pissed about a three-hour audition but yesterday i was on the phone with my agent i'm like talking about something else that was going on i'm like dude can i just get some more auditions man like what's going on why is it so slow like i need to be i want to be you know working i want to put myself up against the test and see where you know he's like i hear you i hear you so it came into like one came in today and i'm like oh i gotta i wasn't upset at all i was stoked right, i'm like oh i can't wait to you. and well i don't i think it just happened that way you know still because it came feels from, like you're being heard i know <laughs> people <laughs> but it was so i didn't care today and i'm just trying to be more like give me the opportunities and i'm gonna go make it happen you Are know you what just I mean? putting yourself out there these days i'm just putting myself out there <laughs> that's so good that's so good to do yeah always do you do a lot of acting? No. See, that's the thing. I suck at auditioning. Like, mm-hmm. I really am. I'm really bad at it. I think I am, too. Either that, I'm really bad at acting. But everything I've acted in, people are like, dude, you're really good. Mm-hmm. Like this Surprisingly mo- handsome, really good. Surprise. God, I did not know how handsome you were. <laughs> what a surprise. Yeah, Pleasant. Couldn't believe it. <laughs> um, but I did this movie a year and a half ago that comes out in March. And I booked it because of a meeting. I didn't even book it because of, I didn't even audition. Mm-hmm. And it was like a 12-person cast and everybody was a stud actor, like all working, all, you know, and I, I held my own and I was like, see, I can do it. I just, so I'm trying to like, now I'm like going back and looking at the process again and being like, you need to go into these auditions and really, I just, when I see people that I, like in acting class, I used to be like, holy shit, that girl's good. Because I would watch her and I would see a whole world unfold around her just by what she was doing, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, how can I do more of that? So, like, when I was working it today, I was just, like, exaggerating things more and being like, oh, you always think you're doing too much because I try to be subtle. But in actuality, I'm not doing anything at all. So, today, I was just, like, really amped it up a little bit. Right. I amped it up. Mm-hmm. What so am like I, 70? Chewing up the scenery. Chewing up the scenery a little bit. Hogging the you know oxide. You know, I'm all out of cliches. No, you know what? There's one when we were that movie, we were sitting there and we doing we did rehearsal because it all took place in one house. So we like really had to block things out. We had a couple days of blocking and we were doing the scene one day. Now, again, all these guys, like one dude's on Game of Thrones. He was in that new Blake, Blake Lively movie opposite of her. Mm. Another guy's who's got this, a... Sh- who's the, who, which Game of Thrones guy? He plays Khaleesi's main dude right now. Oh, Mikhail Hauschman. He was on Treme. Okay. I only know Cal Drogo. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, that dude. So we're in the room, and at the end of the scene, my character is supposed to like, like exhale and walk off, and that's mm-hmm. just in like the stage direction, not in my lines. And I did it, and everyone started making fun of me. They're like, "He's doing stage right." Like we're rehearsing. I'm like, "Wow, what would?" And I was just like, and the director's like, "Make a meal out of it, Jay. Make a meal out of it." <laughs> and then from that point on, like we rehearsed the scene like. I don't know, 15 times. And every time, like, 
like by the end, people just dying at the end of every scene because I kept walking and I just kept like giving <laughs> it more and more. But I think you need that practice. Mm-hmm. Like if you, I remember I have a buddy who's a really, like he's famous. He's a famous actor, and I was asking him like, dude, I, how do I get better? And he's like, do a play, dude. Just do a play. You will get so good from doing a play. And I was like, oh, that's a good idea. I never did it, but mm. I was like, that's a good idea. How does one even book a play? Like, I mean, do you, you, in I LA? doubt you call your same agent. No, like, hey, man, yeah, really trying to get some play work in. <laughs> and I'm like, nah, man. on some play auditions. I mean, they're like, you know, my wife and I, we go out to plays a lot or we try to. Mm-hmm. And the two places we go to the most are the Geffen, which are like legit. Those guys are getting paid and it's like, you know, they're working actors. And then there's, um, uh, what's it called? Tim Robbins acting studio in uh culver city the actors gang mm-hmm. they always have we can ride our bikes there and stuff like that last time we went we rode our bikes there and we got there like five minutes before the show's starting and we're smoking a joint and tim robbins is out front and we're like sorry we're late. He's like now nah, you get time and he's smoking too <laughs> we're like all right two things i went to see some thing at the geffen theater geffen theater geffen playhouse geffen playhouse i went to the geffen mm-hmm. um i felt like i was the youngest person there by 50 For years sure. Yeah, well, I mean, think about it. The L.A. community, as far as, like, theater going. Right. Even if you were, I think if you were in any city outside of maybe New York where everyone's cultured, you know, in Boston, if you were going to a playhouse, it wouldn't be packed with people our age, mm-hmm. you know, because it's just like, nah, who wants to go to that when I can go to a movie Which or brings- a rave, you know? <laughs> a rave, right. I've got Dodger to change game. an egg to get directions to a rave. <laughs> yeah. Um. Point number two, what is this life you're leading where you and your wife are riding bikes to go see a play and also smoking pot oh my god that was the life we had before we had two kids but we still ride our bikes a lot with the when when we had just the one monster now the two is tough because she's not old enough to like fit on anything mm-hmm. but tomorrow i said to her i'm like why don't tomorrow afternoon we take the little guy and we'll just go for a bike ride to the beach i put him in the little thing then we'll play at the beach then we'll go out to dinner and then we'll come home um yeah, you know, I think you should make the most out of life. I like living life like a kid. Riding bikes is hands down one of the funnest things you can do. I love, love riding bikes. It's the best. I would not feel confident riding a bike with a kid attached to it, though. Oh, I cr- I cruise down huge hills with them. I, I pull out in the street, like on palms in the, on the west side. Mm-hmm. You know, you get traffic on the right and left and it gets busy. I go into the middle lane with him waiting for it to clear up on the left and then put my signal out and we turn left and I think he loves it. Just you think of the confidence you're building in him when he's just like, oh, there are cars coming at us. This is no big deal. No, it's not a big deal at all, bro. We got this. Why am I? And I, I remember someone said to me like, dude, aren't you nervous about the kid? I'm like, that's what I would do when I wasn't didn't have a kid mm-hmm. What's right why change why would i ever be i wasn't afraid of my life before now i'm gonna be afraid just to his life is instilling fearlessness something that you try to do <laughs> no i love I, how you asked that like this is barbara walter's 60 minutes is that something you try to do i want to make his life and her life as if they're living a fairy tale every single day Aww. like last night so this year i decided i'm not doing the christmas lights are you out of your fucking mind no it takes too much time like put them up on the bushes and stuff i hired a guy mm-hmm. i paid a guy super nice dude from portland put up all my lights and i had i still have my lights in the bushes from last year so i pulled them all out so it wasn't a mess for him but i had these r- so i took all the white ones and i built him like a swing set out back and then i made him a little bench and and tables mm-hmm. table and benches underneath the platform 
And so I hung Christmas lights in the top of it so it's lit Aww. at night for him. And then I had these red ones, and I'm like, you know what? When I was a kid, me and my brother always put Christmas lights up in our room. Mm-hmm. So I went to his room, and I strung red lights around in his room. And I said to my wife, I'm like, let's surprise Reed before like before bath. We'll show him the Christmas lights. She's like, all right. So we go in there, and he was freaked out. He's like, off, off, off. <laughs> Like, buddy, what are you talking about? And then by the end of the night, he loved him. And then this morning when my wife went in to get him, he just woke up. He looks at her and he goes, lights? Lights? Like asking her to turn them on. (laughs) So like every little thing, we just try to make them like super special. Like every little thing's an adventure. We always say, you want to go for an adventure? Like if we're going to take him out to dinner and we ride him on bikes and just want everything to be like cool and different and weird. And, you know, I just think it's... You know, I just think I, I'm trying to make their life be like the one I wish that I had grown up in. My mom was really good about, we used to go on mystery rides. We were mm-hmm. poor. So we would go on mystery rides where my mom would just drive around the car and be like, we're on a mystery ride. We're like, where are we? <laughs> She's like, I don't know. And we're like, this is the best. So like to this day, I love just driving around in my car listening to music because that's what we used to do all the time as kids, you know? How old are your kids? Um... 21 months so he'll be 22 and uh, he'll be two in february <laughs> and uh and that's reed that's reed and I like river that name a lot. yeah it's yeah. a good name that was yeah. my grandfather's last name mm-hmm. bill reed was my grandfather i'm jay william for him so now reed is uh reed for him joseph for my wife's dad's name and then river is two and a half months mm-hmm. so that's that's what we got we're full tilt right now wow how much harder is it having two than one? It's stupid. Is that, it's is that a lot or not? My, oh, it's it's the worst. Okay. I'm sure there are people out there with three, but I got my buddy called me the other day and as soon as I picked the phone, I'm like, don't have another kid, bro. <laughs> just don't. It's just like Thanksgiving was so tough going to a friend's house and we're like, we were going to host and I did cook the turkey and make the stuffing and we brought it over. But when we're there, you're not just like, it's one on one. Like my buddy said, he goes, you go from a zone defense to playing one-on-one, you know, like it's it's too much. So like you got to watch this one, but then at the same time, this chick's crying, you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> this chick's crying. Oh man, she's always crying. So it's it's a lot, but I feel like we've done a pretty good job of just being like, hey, this is what it is. We signed up for it. Let's mm-hmm. enjoy it, you know, because even even like as crazy as it is, like getting up with her at like three in the morning to feed her and stuff, you're just like, well, what, what, you know, what are you going to do? You can't, you're not going to win. You know, she's not going away. She's going to be there. Would that be winning? <laughs> oh, it'd be nice. <laughs> so what was your childhood like? Boston, right? Just outside. Yeah. About 15 minutes north, Stoneham, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. home of Nancy Kerrigan. What? <laughs> Um, she's a listener, so yeah, she's a big fan. She loves it. Her and Tanya, both, they girl. both listen. Yeah, um, yeah. So I was the youngest of four, and we. My mom worked in the arts. She worked at a ballet company, Boston Ballet, mm. and uh, doing what? She was an in- administrator, but like my dad left when I was young, so he wasn't really around that much. Mm-hmm. So it was like I had two older sisters, an older brother, and then me. And then when my parents split, my mother needed to have a job so like she was doing like odd stuff like i remember like delivering phone books with her you know what i mean like in the car i'm like what am i doing here and like <laughs> oh yeah you're not old enough to go to school dude you're gonna deliver phone books <laughs> and then she was really good at sewing like she was really crafty at a ton of stuff like really art- i think she missed her calling to be honest with you she should have gone into like fashion design mm-hmm. but she got pregnant at 19 in college and ended up marrying the dude that she thought she was going to be with anyway so then she got a job at the boston belly sewing costumes and creating costumes and then 
she was also playing piano in the classes over there and then she got an administrative job and then stayed there and so uh yeah Every day we come home from school and it'd either be my Nana or one of my great aunts. So mm-hmm. it'd be Nana or Auntie Rue or Auntie Gert. Um, that was who was always there. And we'd have to wait for my mom to get home. Um, greatest thing my Nana ever made. But first of all, her meal, she was half Italian, half Irish off mm-hmm. the boat, both of her parents. So everything was either an Irish meal or an Italian meal. But when she'd make spaghetti and meatballs and gravy, the gravy would just be simmering she called it gravy. I just called it sauce, but mm. I'm just saying it for her. I appreciated the authenticity. Of yeah. That. Thank you. Thank you. She would leave like the sauce would be like simmering with the meatballs in it. And just, you'd be like, come on, when are we eating? And she's like, <laughs> we're waiting for your mother to get home. And we're like, we're starving. And she'd be like, come here. And she'd take a piece of bread uh-huh. and she'd dip it into the sauce and pull it out and put it on a plate and you'd eat it with a fork. And it was the greatest goddamn just wet right. bread and so piece good. of sauce just tomato sauce eating it with a fork yeah it was unbelievable have you made it since as an adult i made um if i make sauce which i haven't in forever just because it takes so long Mm. and i really don't know i would make it my buddy joe's mom who's off the boat from italy gave me a lot of recipes and we cooked together one day i would make her sauce my nana's by the end it was like 60 percent water Mm. you know what i mean yeah it got beat thought you wouldn't notice (laughs) um okay so youngest of four mystery rides super creative mom who worked a lot mm-hmm. raised by your extended family um dad not really around now nah, like we would see him like we would go out with him maybe at this point it seems like once every two weeks i mean if i could really if i really had to sit down and think i could probably maybe list 12 memories with him mm-hmm. you know what i mean so by the time i was 12 good ones or just 12 at all 12 total gotcha. you know what i mean like that i can actually remember like oh, i remember that time he bought me a drum set and he was in the den i remember one time he was in my sister's room and i did a pull up on his arm <laughs> i remember like being in his truck and all the mcdonald's wrappers and his like you know where like your feet go mm-hmm. stuff like that um these are good memories keep going Okay, what were the other ones? I remember being up in his, he had this like big, he he remarried this chick that lived in the town over from us. Mm -hmm. So being up in their room and they had like a coffin in their house and they had like garlic in the window. They were a little, they Uh were a little out there. It sounds like someone I would have accidentally dated in my 20s. Oh, I'm sure a lot. (laughs) Accidentally is a funny way to date someone. I I don't know. Honestly, surprisingly handsome guy, but I accidentally started dating him. I don't know what happened. Um, yeah, they were a little, they were a little different, the two of them, right? which is probably why they're perfect. And then like the last time I remember seeing him was like, I went to, he was in antique dealer. I went to the antique shop with him for like a whole day mm-hmm. and like, I was like so bored. And at the end he's like, oh, you can pick anything out that you want. And I picked out a Hank Aaron baseball card. That was what I got. $20 value according to it. And it was a miscut. You remember baseball cards have I, miscuts? I personally don't, but I feel like I know what that is, uh, just by just by figuring it out yeah. i can imagine like when it goes like through the, like the press Jenny. yeah the cutting one side was th- the one border was thicker than mm-hmm. the other and i used to think it was perfect i'm like oh that's what our relationship was a miscut no so yeah but now does that make it worth more because it's a miscut not no, your relationship makes it worth less hard. oh really <laughs> yeah much less because uh i was thinking about for the um amateur philatelists who listen my dad collected stamps. And I think that with like misperforations on stamps, I, th- I could be wrong, but I think that might make them worth more, oh, actually. Wow. Uh, again, I could be wrong, though. Never know. I'm sure so, someone will let us know right. based off of this. What happened, though? So like I saw my dad six years ago for the first time since I was 12. Mm-hmm. 
and I saw him and he gave me some stuff, you know? So we spent a day together and caught up a little bit <laughs> as much as you can do to, to wrap up like a lifetime. Right. But he gave me all these old baseball cards and they were all like really good players, but they're all like beat up a little bit. But what I did was I had them all framed, like mm-hmm. one big frame, like they're all in it. And now I have it hanging over my son's changing table. And now before bed, he'll always turn around and be like, baseball cards? And he has them all memorized. We're like, where's Mickey Mantle? And he'll, we'll go, where's Mickey? And he points to Mickey, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Bill Mombouquet, Ted Williams. He knows all of them. Like, my family's like, this is unbelievable. I'm like, oh, wow. he, he loves his baseball cards. And today, like, he went down for his nap and he wasn't, he wasn't asleep in there. And I go and they go, hey, you got to go to bed. And he goes, baseball cards? Aww. I'm like, no, go to bed. <laughs> So, yeah. So, like, even though we didn't have a great relationship, I still wanted to have, like, pieces of him, mm-hmm. like, around his grandson because, I, you know, I'm, at some point I'm going to have to tell his grandson, like, oh, yeah, this is kind of what happened with your grandfather. Your other grandfather's badass and is around for you all the time. Mm-hmm. This is the other jackass. Um, I'm sorry. I must address the fact that I'm currently marinating in, like, a lethal dog fart right now. She's under oh, me. Oh, really? And she's, she's sending up she toxic you. plumes. Of I don't know what. Here's my question. Mm-hmm. That's ugh, the toxic dog fart has pushed it out of my head. God damn it! What Hold on, it? I'll save you. One time I went to a, a psychic. Have you ever been to a psychic? I did someone's podcast and it involved a psychic. Uh, oh, that's cool. So yes, in that sense, but of my own volition and not in a promotional sense. No. No, I went to one one time. Okay. And in the middle of my reading. The woman's dog came out and shit <laughs> on the floor next to me. And I was just like, this is what? What kind of... Right. What sign is this? <laughs> this is like the worst sign you could ever have. And how did she not see it coming, by the way? I know. It was just... The, I couldn't believe that a dog literally just... I'm like, he just shit like yeah. right like next fresh. to me. Right. Unbelievable. No shame. I know what I was going to ask. Mm-hmm. How was it that after all this time, you all of a sudden reconnected with your dad and saw him? You said this was six years ago? Yeah, six years ago. And it had been It had been since I was 12 and I was 34. How did that happen? 34, so 20-something years. What happened was when I moved to L.A., I kind of think I moved to L.A. because I just needed to get away from, like, the way everyone saw me growing up. You know, like, everyone just has an image of who you are. Like, Not surprisingly handsome? Not surprisingly (laughs) handsome. Back then, I was straight up handsome. Okay. Best looking in my class. What? Really? Uh, uh, Did you really uh, uh. get that senior superlative? I sure did. I sure did. Look, and here you are in my dining room. Can you believe it, Mary? Get over here. (laughs) I can't. Um, You're so humble. So, (laughs) like, someone's just so cocky as fuck at 40. (laughs) They're like, best looking, dude. Um, I just was like, you know, I knew I wanted to get into, like... I just wanted to tell stories. That's what I realized I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I never even thought New York was an option. I was just like, LA, 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 LA. And I kind of just, once I got there, I after after like 10 months of living there in LA, I moved into my friend's... He bought this house that was condemned and he was going to tear it down and build his... He was an architect. Mm-hmm. And I ended up moving into it before he teared it down for like 14 months. And that's when I really like started like soul searching and trying to discover like who I really was, not like who people thought I was or whoever everyone perceived me to be. I like, I actually had this chance to like rebuild myself the way I wanted to build myself. And I reached out to him and like, that's when I started this with him was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So then we emailed for a while. We talked once on the phone, then we stopped for like two years. Then I emailed him again. Then we emailed for like six months. Then what was the nature of the emails? 
Um, well, we had one talk on the phone. I, I realized that like his he was a lot of bullshit. Like he it was just he had so much of his own side to the story. So the emails were just like pretty much him just telling me like his day to day. Like got up. He was a very simple guy, and um, he it was interesting. He wrote a lot like I did. Like I I couldn't believe like how similar we mm-hmm. were in his like just his writing of emails. Right. You know, like the way he saw life and stuff were very similar to mine. So um. You know, they were simple. I kept them all. You know, I kept all the emails. Mm-hmm. So, um, did yeah, your different. mom know that you were reconnecting with him? And did she care? She, I told her, I, I don't know. If she, I mean, I don't give a fuck if she cared. You know, I'm like, I'm like, what are you going to care that the guy that you fucked up with because you were an idiot at 20 years old getting married and getting pregnant to someone you barely knew? Right. You're going to be mad that I'm trying, you know what I mean? So I didn't really care. Um, but she's known that, like, she just kind of doesn't bring it up. She, I don't think she wants to know, you know, you know, she doesn't really know how to handle that whole thing. Right. You know what I mean? Do your siblings have a relationship with him? No. Well, he died. He died four months ago. Oh, wow. And so, like, I was actually in New York, found out, and I went home. And I went and, like, I went to his, his, his like, uh, antique store that he worked at. And I saw mm-hmm. the couple that he worked with. And then I went and saw his wife. I went to his workshop. I went to his apartment. I did all of that. Like, I told my wife, I'm like, I just want to... I want to I want to write the last chapter, you know, mm. for me. And like, you know, even like when I was telling my mom, she never asked like, are you okay? Or how do you like there was no it was really weird because I never even had like a chance to like, you know, my buddy's dad passed and like I ha- still haven't. I mean, I have to write him a letter. I haven't done it. But like no one, you know, there's no way to like say goodbye through any there's no mourning you know what i mean it was just right. like me having to decide like oh i'm gonna do this on my own you know do you mean there was no mourning because the family didn't come together to observe what happened or do you mean there was no mourning because people didn't really know the relationship that you had with him well one that well, everyone knows like especially on our podcast that i have had no relation mm-hmm. what we had was so minimal and because it's so minimal no one's ever gonna like you feel like you almost don't deserve a chance to mourn because you haven't had it. But like, right. it, almost it, like you're mourning a celebrity's death or something. Yeah, and it almost hurts more than someone you because you just well, yeah, like can't it's even of connect. The relationship. Yeah, and the chance that that relationship could actually come to fruition and become right. something again is now gone. In a way, it it was good for me that I was like, all right, it's over. Mm-hmm. Like that's why like putting those baseball cards up was easy for me. You know, it was like easy to do that because it was like okay i don't have to like wonder anymore and have to who was right who was wrong who was what you know it's just like it's a piece of him i want it in my life just for whatever i am still a piece of him you know Mm -hmm. what i mean so it's kind of like behind the pines did you ever see (laughs) just kidding did you see that movie i didn't god i had so much hope for it and just mm. no um yeah i would think sort of like with behind the pines when 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 the uh credits roll and you're like uh that's the end of that. I would that. think it would could underline all the pain and the loss. Yeah, I mean, I actually I thought I would be way more moved like when I stood in the spot that he died, you know, I thought like How just How did he die? I, he like fell over and hit, hit his head on a on a um, radiator. So oh, he geez. either had a stroke or a heart attack or, you know, I don't know. They weren't going to do an autopsy to find out like what happened, you know. But, like, just to stand, like, and the EMTs, like, you know, when they, like, all the stuff they use to help resuscitate them, like, they, you know, rip them out of packages. All that stuff was still on the floor. And I was, like, standing there two days later. It was pretty amazing. I thought I was going to be, like, I wanted to be overcome. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? But I didn't. 
and then I, I was in like one of the rooms. He lived in an old schoolhouse, and some old other guy lived upstairs. And there's like a, and I go to the door. I'm like, hey, he goes, uh, hey, uh, I live upstairs. And I'm like, oh, hey, I'm Jay. He goes, uh, I go, I'm, I'm Norm's son. And he's like, oh my god, what? And he's like, I can't believe. And like all of a sudden, you're like meeting people that like had a relationship with him, and they're trying to like relate to you. And you're like, yeah, man, I really don't know what you're going through, man. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? You're like, it's it's a weird thing. It's it's really hard to like even compartmentalize it or like explain to someone else like, oh, yeah, tell me how you're mourning. I'm not really in the same place. It was just weird. You know? right. It was different. Right. It was different. Had you, before he died, had you thought about what it might felt like when he died? Yeah, I thought it was going to be crushing and I thought I was going to be like, you know, I just, I was, I think like, you know, since I had my son at the time, I didn't have my daughter that I was just like, um, I had such a different understanding of what like parenthood is and like mm-hmm. what that connection to like a father and a son is. Right. Because like I see my friends with their dads. Like I see friends that have like good relationships with their dads and they're tight. And I'm like, oh, that's so fucking weird. How lame are you? <laughs> like my wife is tight with a brother. I'm like, ugh, you guys are so lame. Like I just never understood. Like I can't, when I see people who like, in college, I played baseball in college, and this one kid in our team, his dad would always come up to beat all the games. He'd barbecue for the guys' breakfast. I'm like, get a life, dude. What are you doing with your life? <laughs> and now I'm like, Jesus, that was the coolest thing of all time. But for me, I just had no understanding at all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or like my wife has taught me a lot about like in a marriage how you you know figure out what love is because i just never saw that either like i saw my parents in a room one time in my whole life so to see people you know what i mean are your parents still together my parents are together yeah but it's interesting to me that it sounds like you and your wife have really different you come from really different types of families oh my god totally. um that's that's always fascinating to me when that happens my husband and my families are on the on the surface very different because his parents split up when he was really young but there are a lot of similar themes, like when, when we really sort of emotional stuff when we really get into it. But um, how did you meet your wife? Um, I was at a friend. My friend used to have this uh, apartment on the beach in Marina del Rey, and he was dating this girl. He had a he used to have parties all the time, mm-hmm. and he was having this party. And the girl he was dating was friends with my wife, so she was there. I showed up late, left early, pff, locked it down. <laughs> No, actually, I like we we went swimming together in the ocean at like night. I got there at like seven, mm-hmm. and I had a spot at the comedy store at twelve. So I hung out, and then we we went swimming together. We made out, and I was just out of relationship. She was just out of one. I asked for a number. She's like, "Nah, I just got out of relationship." I'm like, "Yeah, I did too." And she's like, "Nah, I don't, I don't. That's not my style." Can I just make out with people in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> slut. Um, and then I was like, "Well, if you ever, you know, if you ever want to find me, you know who my friends are." And she's like, "All right." And like six months later, my buddy Danny called me. He's like, dude, you remember that girl, Kate, from the party? She wants you to call her. And I was like, done. Wow, six months later. Six months, maybe five. And then then what happened? And then I called her and we went on a date. I was dating a lot of girls at the time. Mm-hmm. And some of them were like on the reg. And I just called each one of them like, yo, I'm out. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I just, I'm out. Did you say it like that? No, nah, I think I said, <laughs> I think, <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> I just, Yo, I just said, hey, I can't do this anymore or something like that, you know. But um, And I was just like, I'll put all my eggs in one basket. I just felt like something about her, you know. I was just like, ah, oh, this is a... Any girl that met me when I was like completely debaucherous and dating like a bunch of girls, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, let's keep it casual. And she's like, no, nah, that's not how I do it. I'm like, who has this self-control? How does she have this control? What, to keep her and, mitts off you? Yeah. 
I was surprisingly handsome. <laughs> and she had a job. I was like, she just had her, she was just like. Well, it's interesting that you use the word self-control for that because I would use the word self-respect for that. Yeah, that's By a good. By the way, it's something that I lacked, you know, at that, at in my, much of my dating time because I wouldn't have been. I would have been the person who's like, oh, oh, totally casual. Totally. Yeah, that's all I want. No, I'm totally not even into this at all. Yeah. But call me. That, that would have been me. So I can see where that was. Uh, she refreshing. just knew who she was. And yeah. I was just like really attracted to that. I really I love people. who I love people who are straight up and say what they want and say what they mean. I don't care if people think they're being. I don't care if everyone is, you know, people always think, oh, they're rude. I'm like, no. Why should anyone? This is my favorite thing in the world. I love rude people. You know why? Because you can be rude right back and they can't say anything. It's like, you were just a fucking dick. I'm going to be a dick back. And I've had so many instances with my friends. I'll be out and people mm-hmm. be rude and I'll just throw it right back. And like, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, they were just rude. I'm supposed to sit here and allow them to be rude, but I can't be rude right back. Are you always good at identifying rudeness right away? I'm pretty good at di- identifying really? people and breaking people down and like grasping them pretty quickly. I mean, that's stand up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're, you're, I like crowd work, you know, and I see an audience and I know what I can get away with. And sometimes I don't know what I w- can get away with. I just push them to a point to find out if I can get away with mm-hmm. it. You know, that's, that's what I enjoy. So what I'm hearing is you're looking for an excuse to be rude. Kinda. Yeah. No, I'm looking for an excuse to be myself, that's for sure. I love any any chance I can to try and just push people to mm-hmm. to like have to see something or, you know. Are you like emotionally exposing yourself? What I mean by that is as someone who would who exposes themselves like in terms of nakedness, are you doing that with your emotions? I don't mean like, are you trying to be emotionally naked? I really wish I hadn't started this metaphor. Slash I don't know. I mean, it's not working here. <laughs> I'm usually pretty open about any. I mean, we're talking about, you know, what we just talked about. And mm-hmm. as a stand up, you know, you're pretty, you're pretty open right. or you're pretty vulnerable. You're on stage in front of sometimes hundreds, thousands of people, you know? Um, but yeah, I don't mind it. I much mm-hmm. rather do that in front of strangers than have to like do it in front of people I know. <laughs> um, Okay, so second time around that mm-hmm. you you uh, connected with Kate, did she, you sort of alluded to this, but did she say to you, if we're going to do this, you have to get rid of all, oh, all no. these other girls? She didn't red. know that I was dating. I mean, she didn't know what I was doing. She just, she, it was five months later, I was bartending. She came in to pick up food, like that mm-hmm. she was getting food to go, and she saw me, and she's like, oh my God, there's that guy. Why do I not, why have I not seen that guy? And so she told her friend, like, tell that guy to call me. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. <laughs> but you but you said that any girl who's like, look, I'm not into this being casual. So did she must have said something. No, she said that on the beach. Oh. You know, when we met oh, that I, night. Because oh, I was like, hey, okay, I, she's yeah. like, I just got out of a relationship. Like, yeah, so did I. Let's just keep it casual. And she's like, no, nah, right. I, I don't do that. And I was I like, I, at the time, I think I was being casual with mm-hmm. like five or six girls. You know right. what I mean? So all of a sudden, one is like, has this idea of like what who she is and mm-hmm. i was just like oh man i think i wanted to not have to be casual with someone too i'm a ser- serial monogamist you know mm-hmm. what i mean when you don't have parents that are together you always want to be with someone but at the same time you're like you're cool being with nobody but then you always really want someone you know right yeah so were you guys together ever since yeah how yeah. long ago was that <sighs> 10 years almost 10 years and you said she's taught you about love in a relationship i mean she just saw it like you know like i remember we first started dating i was you know 
struggling to make it and she called me one day and my phone was shut off because I hadn't paid my phone bill. And so she came by the bar I was working at and she's like, hey. And I go, hey, what's going on? And she's like, nothing. First of all, she's just popping by, which that's just as a, a sign of confidence. She's not worried like she's doing anything mm-hmm. crazy. And she's like, I tried to call you today. I'm like, yeah, I know. My phone got shut off. And she goes, why? <laughs> and I was like, I didn't, you know, I'm like, I didn't pay my bill. And she goes, well, why don't you pay it? I'm like, I bet. Let me rephrase. It. I go, I couldn't pay my bill. And she goes, what? Are you serious? I'm like, yeah. And, and she was like, what time do you get off? And I'm like, I'm like off in like 15 minutes. She's like, all right, why don't I just wait here? Do you want to go get a drink? I'm like, yeah. So I like, I close out. I do my thing. I come back to the car. She's like, I paid your phone bill. Aww. And I was like, what? And she goes, if I'm, if we're going to see each other, I need to be able to call you. And I was like, fuck, let's go get a drink, girl. You know, it was just like, I just never even like no one ever did anything for me. Like, I mean, logistically, how could she, how did she know your account number and all that? I think she just called up, she's called up and gave him my phone number Mm. and said, I want to pay this bill. I I had no idea. I couldn't believe it. I you know how many girls I ever dated that ever like bought me dinner or said, suggested like the first date we went on. I took her to this place called Chocolat, which is now closed. Mm-hmm. Then we went to com- uh, the Improv. I had a show. And then I took her to Magic Castle. And at Magic Castle, sh- she tried to pay at Chocolat. She tried to play. She tried to pay everyone. I'm like, who is this girl? You don't pay. Like, that's what you're mm-hmm. I'm supposed to do. So I was just like really impressed. I'm like, that's just, it was refreshing. I didn't want her to pay, but just the idea that she was like, yeah, you know, she could, you know, pay. It was, it was like a, Something I hadn't seen in a while. Every girl I was dating, it was like all on me. You know, right. like I would date girls and I would pay for things up front because that's what a gentleman does. But then it was like getting the, like we'd be three months in. I'm like, yeah, I'm broke. Like, what do you <laughs> want? I cannot take you out to dinner all the time. Yeah. And they're like, well, I don't have money. And then you're like, oh, well, I don't know what you want me to do. Yeah. Uh, and what does your wife do? Nothing. Well, what she's in, she do? she's in sales. She's in jewelry sales, but we're trying to get her into something else right now. She's attacking me. When's this release? I'm not quite sure. In the next few weeks. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. Something might be uh, on the horizon. Hope. Well, I don't know. As of right now, she's on maternity leave. So okay. let's just leave it at that. Gotcha. I mean, I don't know who's listening to this, but she's on maternity leave. Future employ- employers, possibly. Or <laughs> her current employers are oh, like, or say what? Right. Does she work for Nancy Kerrigan? Because we've established that she listens. <sighs> she does work for the Nancy Kerrigan Foundation. <laughs> so you moved out to LA because uh, you wanted to get into storytelling. Did you come straight from Stone's Hut? Stone's Hut? <laughs> what was it called? What do you think? I grew up on a reservation? <laughs> oh, he come from Stone Hut. I don't even <laughs> what, know what accent that is. What was it called? Stoneham. We say Stoneham, but it's Stoneham. Gotcha. Stoneham? Stoneham, Mass. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, basically, I graduated college i told everyone all my friends that i was going to move to la when i graduated they're like to do what Hmm. and i was like i don't know i want to like maybe write or act and they're like how are you going to do that i'm like i don't know i'll figure it out what'd you major in and where'd you go i went to a school called saint anselm college in new hampshire and then i i majored in english Mm -hmm. i flunked out got back in graduated with a degree in english and then um from graduation i just worked two jobs for like I don't know how many months that is to try to save five grand to move, save 3,200, moved to LA, mm-hmm. flew. You were saying that you wanted to reinvent yourself because you just didn't want to be the person that everyone in your hometown thought you were. Yeah. And by the it, way, I'm still the same guy. 
You are. <laughs> no, I'm I'm just a different version of myself, you know, like people didn't see me as a writer, they didn't see me as a creator. None of my friends were creative mm-hmm. growing up. We all just played sports. Like I was thinking about this today, like you ever did you watch uh, Dogtown and the Z Boys? It's a great documentary on like the whole skate culture in Venice and like Stacy Peralta and um all those great guys that came out. But Stacy Peralta was the guy who was like taking photographs of everybody and they use all that in the documentary. He's a documentary filmmaker now. But like we I never had like creative guys. We weren't around being like like we played sports and we tried to get girls. That's mm-hmm. what we were doing, you know? But I, I wish like if I could go back like I was thinking about this. I played college baseball, okay? For a D two school that sucked. <laughs> and I'm like, why was I ever wasting Yes, it was fun and mm-hmm. I'll never get back or like at this age, you're never going to be able to play organized sports again with referees and coaches and like work at something, which is an amazing thing that I loved. All I have now is golf where I like now it's against myself. But I wish to God I had just known what I wanted to do. Like anytime I'm in LA and I meet guys and like, oh yeah, man, I went to theater school. Like when I, when I was 12, I was doing plays in the town and like, oh, how did you know? Like mm-hmm. I didn't know. It wasn't even for some reason, even though my mom was so creative and worked in such an artistic field, it wasn't ever presented in front of me. Like, hey, you know, you could go do X or you could go do this. It was like, no, you will go to college. Then you'll get a job. You'll get married. I used to think at 24, I'd be married, two kids, white picket fence. Mm-hmm. I could see myself with a briefcase. Maybe I'd be a lawyer. I didn't know like, like that's what I always saw. And then so I just kind of was like, let me just go and start over, you know, and just be what I want to be. Mm-hmm. So here's my question. I feel like that thing where you want to escape the way everyone that you grew up with sees you is is common. So that's like somewhat for people who leave their hometown, it's universal. But I also feel like there's something specific about the Northeast um, and I I want to say about the Boston area, but I don't know if that's true or not, where it's like it's even harder to escape the way people see you. Do you think that's true? Um, It could be. I know, like, you know. put it this way, every single kid I grew up with, all my friends are still in Massachusetts. One of them's in New York, you know? Mm-hmm. One's in New York, and he's upstate because that's where his wife is from. They met in Boston. So everyone's from there, so... And they stay there. Like, my one buddy lives a town over. And I got to be honest with you. Like, I love that. Like, I'm jealous of that. I'm like, oh, man, how great it would be to have Sunday dinners with my family. Mm -hmm. I haven't, you know, I don't have that. I don't have any family out here. Go right back to Stone's Hut. Stone's Hut, man. (laughs) God, (laughs) this is where it all comes together. And uh, so, like, I think so. I think you just, I, I don't know because it's not my mindset. My mindset was go carve a path. I also didn't have, like... I think about all the time people like well, my sister, she was just out we're like, oh my God, you're so much like mom. And she's like, I know I'm turning into mom. And we <laughs> see it with our friends turning into their moms and dads. But I don't have anyone to see who I would have been like. So it's like I kind of got a chance to just like carve my own thing. Mm-hmm. Like when I was a kid growing up, my friend's dads would treat me like I was another dad. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I would come by the house and I'm like, oh, would he clean out the gutters? I'm like, what a bitch, huh? Mm-hmm. You gotta go, it's supposed to snow this weekend. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. They'd always call me, like it was just like this weird respect thing they had because they knew there was no dad around. Right. So I just kind of always carved my own path for who I wanted to be and I never really like, it's kind of what my comedy turned into because I was never like answering to anybody. So mm-hmm. my opinion or my way that I talk to people in the world 
came because I never had to answer to some guy going to tell me like, hey, you don't do that. You know what right. I mean? You should do this. So I think maybe if I would have stayed in mass and maybe done something completely different had my family been different, but this is just kind of what I turned into, you know? But um, I think because in in New England, in Massachusetts for sure, like community is like really strong, mm-hmm. you know? Like it's not like that here, but like, and people are so direct. Like, if you're in line at a Dunkin' Donuts and someone's taking a while, someone's going to chirp and be like, let's go. What are we doing? Right. You know what I mean? Like, they all yeah. think they're part of the same family. So, I honestly don't know. I don't know if I ever would have wanted. I'm not like a big travel guy. I don't mm-hmm. like, I'm not like, I want to see the world. I was like, I need to go to one place and I'll go to LA. I know I never went to New York first. I never went out to visit LA to see if I liked it. I'm like, I'm just going. That's what I'm doing. That's going to be my route. And then I'll just try and get it. And all I want to do is, get myself to a point in my career where I can afford to move back to Massachusetts, you know? <laughs> and when you got here, what did, so you bartended, but what, um, like career wise or entertainment I started waiting tables. Oh, I, I immediately started waiting tables at cheesecake factory. That was mm. the first thing I did. And then I started taking acting classes and I wrote a screenplay. And then after I did a play and then after like a year and a half, that's when like I wrote my second screenplay I took Groundlings and I started doing stand up. And like after like a after I passed Groundlings level 1 and the screenplay was done and I've been doing stand up for a little while I was like, mm, this is a lot. Like you should pick one thing." And stand up was so immediate, you know, I picked stand up. So Was that the first time you'd ever done stand up? Yeah, yeah. I never I didn't even know. I didn't think I was going to do stand up. I didn't really know. I was always really funny like mm. as a kid. But again, like I moved here to like I wanted to write this trilogy that I came up with and it's all dramatic. And I, that's why I want to not be seen as the funny guy. I kind of right. want to get by on my brains. And then I realized, y- you're not too smart, bro. You should, uh, <laughs> you should try and be funny because that's what you can do. <laughs> um, and then what happened? Nothing. Then I just, you know, I just kept pursuing. I, my biggest break, like, for comedy was I got Montreal Comedy Festival. And that, that happened, like, three and a half years after I had been doing comedy. So I started doing stand-up. I, I started my own room on the west side because I wanted more stage time. And then I just started getting better. And Wait, did you say you started your own room? On yeah. The like a, Where was that? At the World Cafe Wednesday nights, mm-hmm. hump day comedy. And I would do a show every Wednesday. I'd go first. I'd bite the bullet. I'd do all new material. And I started to get to, like, know people. And then, you know... From there, I just then I would like get better shows, and then I got past at the comedy store, so I was at the comedy store, and then and then I got Montreal, and then from there, you know, it's to be honest with you, like I'm never happy with the speed with which my career is going. So mm-hmm. for me, I've kind of like been like, oh, it's just been like a slow grind, you know. Um, and then when I met my wife, I ended up moving to New York to be with her, so my, you know, my career kind of slowed down because I had to start over again in New York, which mm-hmm. I thought it was just like stay the same pace but it didn't and then after two years in new york i moved back to la so it was almost like i had to start over again again uh-huh. but um what in new york were you doing stand-up yeah i was doing stand-up but that's when i started doing short films like writing and shooting mm-hmm. my own shorts and that's like you know all i've ever really wanted to do is make my own moving picture shows mm-hmm. whether they be short or movies or tv or you know right so how did you feel like the culture compared in new york versus la oh, career wise uh you're more like intermingled in in new york like you go out to dinner and drinks with execs because you're there and you're going to shows and 
I mean, New York's just amazing. Have you ever lived in New York? I did, yeah. I lived there for nine years. Oh, that city is so freaking amazing. I was just on the ride over here talking to my buddy Jason, and I call him up, and he goes, hey, buddy. And I go, oh, guess where I wish we were right now? And he said, said, he goes, we're sharing an office together. You're coming in my office, and you're asking me to take take a look at the last page of this latest script you're working on. I go, I like where your head's at. (laughs) Right. But no, I, I was hoping we were in New York. There's a huge snowstorm outside. We're at Little Frankie's. We just sat down at the counter. He goes, oh, dusting the snow off. You're chilly. <laughs> oh, I, go, I go, maybe yeah, we get a I couple shots just to warm us up. And then we order that that thin crust pizza they do with the goat cheese and the prosciutto. And he goes, oh, are you kidding me? He goes, then we just nice long meal. And I'm, I mean, that's where we go, me and my buddy Jay, every time we're there. Um, so, I mean... I don't know. I was only there for like a year and a half and mm. I was fighting it the whole time, you know, um, because like I was like, I'm I'm established. Why aren't people giving me stage time? And they're like, because we don't know you. And I didn't really get that. Mm-hmm. So like it was always like a constant uphill battle and I had to learn the city and then I had to get a job and, you know, then I was bartending again and I was like, oh man, I don't want to be bartending. So like, where were you bartending? Uh, at the Rusty Knot. It's this bar on the uh, on West Side Highway mm-hmm. in West 11th. Um, so, I mean, I love New York, but I had to come back to LA cause I had built so many roots and connections and, and stuff like that. So we came back. Right. How did you and Ryan meet? <sighs> Through stand up. Like, I can't even tell you, like some people like can remember the first time we, we met, but I can't remember the first time I met Ryan. I just knew that we, we clicked cause we kind of got each other. You know what I mean? Mm. We both came from, uh, similar backgrounds a little bit. So you know, like you come to LA and you start meeting people and you don't understand, like there are rich kids everywhere <laughs> and you don't know that they're rich. You're just like, oh, this is, yeah, he's, how come that kid doesn't work? You know what I mean? Right. Like, and you're like, oh, that's just what he does. And you're like, oh, it's LA, man. Nobody works. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's out for coffee. And I was only, even when I was waiting tables, I was only working four days a week, you know, and I was making enough to pay my bills and not pay my car insurance and not pay my student loans, but enough to survive, you know? So you just don't know. But then you'd like, with Rye, you instantly saw why we connected was because we came from our like, not our struggle, but our roots were very similar in that we had to work our ass off to get where we were, mm-hmm. but we didn't look at it as working our ass off. We're just like, oh, that's what everyone had to do. And then we quickly realized, no, that's not what everyone, you know, everyone has a different route and everyone has different challenges. So not like it matters, but um, yeah, I just knew early on that Ryan and I, we just hit it off, you know, it's just a, you know, copacetic. I was watching a clip of you on, I think it was Conan, and you mentioned, did you go to a dad convention? Yeah, I dad spoke Con? at one. Yeah. What is that? It's like a, it's called Dad 2.0 or Dad, I can't remember what it is, but it's like all dad bloggers and stay-at-home <laughs> dads, and they all like, you know, all these different things. Like, you know, there's a whole movement of dads that, you know, do their thing and stay at home. And, uh, you know, I was doing Best Bars in America and Esquire was sponsoring like an after party up there. So they asked me, hey, will you go up there and speak at the conference and be like the guest speaker? And I was like, fuck, yeah, I get to talk about being a dad. Love to. So what was the audience like? All dads. Mm-hmm. They were great. You know, they were awesome guys. They're all like, you know, super involved and, you know, they were all letting loose too. These are all stay at home dads. I got like a weekend away. These guys were like stoked. <laughs> um, but it was great. They were intuitive and like they're really so many of them are like making a profession out of being a stay at home dad. Mm. And, uh, you know, which is something that like people years ago would never even think of. You know, they'd be like, what are you talking about? You work. The wife stays right. home. And I know I've seen Mr. Mom. I know I've seen it. Clean up an aisle eight. That wasn't <laughs> whatever it was. 
Michael Keaton, man. Would you ever want to be a stay-at-home dad? No. No, man. We're, my wife's on maternity right now, and uh, I just sold a, a TV show, so I'm oh, kind of like, thanks. So I'm like in the waiting process of like that, and you know, I love being home, and but it's just, they're, they're crazy. They're crazy. What's the TV show that you sold? It's just a scripted TV show I came up with about three guys that live in a neighborhood together, and like them trying to like relive their youth and get into mischief that's awesome do yeah you, uh who'd you sell it to? Or, uh, to say as much as you want to say i sold it to um this company called CISO. Mm-hmm. so nbc universal has launched their own version of netflix and that's who CISO is ah i so, keep seeing that hashtag on instagram yeah i haven't known what it is now i know so their their first like launch of original content is coming out i don't know soon soon that not mine mm-hmm. i'm getting is paid it bajil- i keep seeing it, like cool op and oh yeah bajillion that scott arkham yeah. show and jonah okay. ray has a show okay um a couple other people and then they have like all the back catalog of nbc universal properties so it's gonna be good it's like four bucks a month mm-hmm. um so yeah so Did i just buy a whole no season? they just no i'm i'm just writing the script the mm-hmm. pilot and then they'll decide from there you know, and then I'm outlining the season. So I'll write the pilot and then outline the season and then they'll decide if they're going to like make it. Are you going to be in it? I hope so. I mean, I, I shot three shorts to help sell it and I was in it. So if, if they don't want me in it, like in the meeting, I was like, listen, if you guys want to recast already, then <laughs> just let me know. Um, so I've been home a lot, you know, and it's just, they're exhausting. Kids are exhausting. And I, I just, I want to be, I want to tell stories and I want to get stuff out there. So being as much, I get a lot of enjoyment of the time that I'm with my son and with my daughter. So I make the most of it, you know, like by doing little cool things and making sure we fill up our time with cool activity, even if we're just at home, like reading books and, you know, playing with the trains and just whatever we need to do. So I don't think I need to be around them that much. Do you have favorite children's books? Um... I, I honestly, I right now the, my favorite book is whatever is his favorite book because like he goes through phases like mm-hmm. he wants to read. There's one called How Do Dinosaurs Say Goodnight, which is really cool. Uh, I like Doctor Seuss because he just crushes it. But um, no, I I don't. Uh, do you? Uh no. Oh, actually, I'm sure I do. But I just I know that when I used to babysit, I definitely had um you know preferences of like I. Do not want to watch any Barney the Dinosaur, but I liked the, there was this one like Burton. Barney Ernie. is a dinosaur, huh? Yeah, gotcha. I can't oh, Burton Ernie, man. Yeah, there was a. Bur- I wish I could remember what it was. It was a Burton Ernie video where Bert was the president of the W Lovers Club or the W Fan Club, and there was a whole song about like the wonders of the letter W. Oh, cool. um, so I was just thinking, if you're spending a lot of time among kids' books, like you, there's probably some you like better than others. Yeah, I mean, I don't really. The only ones I don't dig are those Carl the dog books. There's no words. You just pictures and like, mm-hmm. I guess you're supposed to make up. I'm just like, nah, man, give me stuff to read. Right. So like, yeah, but whatever don't gets him. Don't make me ex- do the work. Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing here? He likes Goodnight Goon. Like before bed, he'll be like, Goon? Goon? <laughs> and like, he'll want to read Goodnight Goon. And I just like, whatever he wants to read melts me. You know, I'm like, yeah. oh, dude, I love that you want to read that book. Aww, Let's read. That's so sweet. Yeah. So. Whatever he's into is pretty much my favorite book. Let's take some questions that people sent in over Twitter. Okay. When we ask, they send them in. They're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Are they there? 
Did anyone write a question? They did. I saw some. Tony Butcher asks, how fun is filming best bars in America? Um, lots and lots of fun. Um, I always wanted to have a restaurant or a bar at some point in my life. I've always thought that was something I would want to do. So going around, I love seeing the city. I love meeting new people. And I love getting into a city and seeing how that city works because I've never lived in one except LA and it's not a real city. You know what I mean? It's just like a fake made up city. <laughs> but like when you go to DC, happy hour is huge in DC because people are getting out of their stress filled jobs and they got to go pour into the bars. So I love it because I like to travel. I like to meet people. I don't like to travel internationally or to, I don't like to pick places to go, but mm-hmm. the fact to get paid to go somewhere right. and learn about a place is pretty awesome. Mark Ellis says, if you could only keep the Pats Super Bowl wins or the Red Sox World Series titles, what do you take? Fucking Ellis. What's up, dude? I know. Um, my wife was like, oh, that's a no-brainer, right? The Pats? I'm like, no, that's not a no-brainer <laughs> because if we didn't have the World Series titles, then we never would have broke the curse, which is amazing. Breaking the, I couldn't, as much as I love, first of all, let's just say one thing about football. It's one game a week. Like every game counts. In baseball, you can go on a 10 game losing streak and it's no big deal. It's 160 games. And I love baseball, but football is like everything counts. There's so much strategy. Defense is so different than offense. And it's, it's such an amazing sport. And I love the Pats and I love Belichick. And people are hating me right now for saying this. And I love Brady, but the Sox was just, you know, it was just magical the way they won that World Series. So I'd have to say the, the Sox. Okay. Mallory says, I think I know the answer, but crab or lobster dinner? He's probably thinking crab because of the crab feast, but it's lobster all the way for me. You know how much work you have to put into crab? Yes. King crab legs are awesome. Mm-hmm. But like blue crab, it's just like a pain in the ass. Yeah. Sickler loves it. I'm like, dude, this is so much work. My husband just announced recently he's not going to be Crab's... <laughs> I'm saying something that's similar to a drop we have on the show, but he's not going to be Crab's bitch anymore because whenever we order Crab, we're always... Yeah, it's way too much work for like a sliver of it's meat. It's too much. Yeah. Lobster's bomb. I love... Lobster is amazing. Broiled or steamed or something else? Uh, I think steamed would probably be best. Um, my grandmother used to make lobster rolls all the time because they lived on the water, but I never liked seafood as a kid. We used frozen swordfish was the only seafood we'd have as kids so mm. i was like fuck seafood yeah and now i'm like god why are you such an idiot <laughs> spoot and savage says just the standard sit or stand to wipe who stand is or sitting sit to wipe. how are you possibly sitting when you wipe i'm surprised you said that i thought you were gonna go the other way stand don't you stand to wipe am i wrong i <laughs> this has come up on the show this used to come up on the show a lot um, I think the standard way is to sit, but I like to finish it off with a stand. So mine involves sitting and standing. Does, is yours entirely standing? I've never in my life wiped sitting down. So the entire thing takes place with you on your feet. Off I mean, the there's a knee bend involved. I mean, there's a little knee bend. Well, you of know course. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But for yeah, access. Of course. But okay. So you're like, do your biz. Grab some toilet paper, stand up. Yes. Wow. Wow. That's unusual. I mean, kudos. (laughs) I've never heard of this in my life. What else would you do? What are you reaching under? Yeah. Back into the toilet? Pretty much. I mean, you don't, yeah, you kind of like. Maybe I need to get Jeff, tell me if this is how one does it. You kind of like roll up on, you, okay, sit on the toilet, grab some toilet paper, kind of like roll up onto one leg, Uh go to town. Is that right? (laughs) Is that correct? 
that's how I do it. <laughs> no value judgment. No, I, none I at all. I, didn't know I there like was a right or wrong way. I mean, I don't know if there is either. I'm, I've done it standing up. I'll try the other one. I mean, no, I say go with it. I mean, I think the for me the sitting thing is just convenience. Okay. I mean, I can see right now there's like a value to it maybe because you're more open when you're sitting. But you kind of like got to wrench your back a little bit. Yeah. I'm cool with where I'm at. I mean, I've been doing it for what? Right. 36 years. Go with what you know. Yeah. But your wife has never been like, oh, wow, you stand? Well, I'm usually not wiping. I mean, we're pretty open with each other. But but I, not that part. You want to keep some stuff that you're just like, I, this is this is the pride. I'm probably going to wipe her ass when we're both old and mm. dying why i don't want to do it now maybe i should just accept that it's a private thing i really want my marriage to include like no doors or anything my husband is not into that no way don't ever lose yourself you have to have some things where you're like can i just shit in? i mean there'll be yeah. times when i'm no my husband's like could you just shit in <laughs> private please please <laughs> you're in the living room and that's a bucket <laughs> so i realize you want to talk to me but yeah. not now <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Roger Arnold says, he and Ryan always seem to be having fun. Have they ever fought or at least been really pissed off at one another? Yeah. Like yesterday. <laughs> what happened yesterday? He sent me a text. I sent him a text. There was We had like four things we need to do. And I did one of them. So I text him like, hey, took care of XYZ. And he just writes back, we still need to do and list one of the other four things. Mm. So I go, I wrote back. I'm like, okay, no problem. I'll cancel what I just did, <laughs> I go, I'll cancel it and I'll get on that. And he wrote back, oh, I'm confused. Why are you canceling it? I go, uh, no. I'm not canceling it. Just the fact that you're reminding me to do something after I said I did something else is annoying. And he goes, the way you're texting me right now is annoying. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck him. So we like, there have been times when I've been screaming at him on the phone and then hang up and I come back inside and my wife goes, who is that? And I go, that was Rye. She's like, Jay, you can't, you understand something. Rye has so many cousins and friends that used to live with him because he had no no structure in his life. This is who he is. Like he, that's what he's used to. You know what I mean? Like I never had that. I mm-hmm. wish that I had brothers that like. I wish I had people to be rude to, people to fight with. That you're just like, hey, we're just gonna fight and we still love you and that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, in my family, it was like if someone fought with you, fuck, they were out. You know what I mean? Rye was like, yeah, man. You just you could be grumpy old me all the time and still be fine. So yeah, we'll fight, but at the end of the day, like you know, that guy's like a brother to me, man. So what is it that you wanted? You wanted acknowledgement for what you had done? No, I just wanted him to. I know what we need to do. I don't need him to tell me we need to do something else. Mm-hmm. I know the list. Why do you think I'm telling you the one I just did? Right. You don't need to say, oh, don't forget we need to do this. Really? Then why don't you do that? Because I just did this. Yeah. Come on, man. And lastly, Sean Stitchfield says, "Nope, I'm digging from into this Stone one. Hunt. Sean uh, Stitchfield yeah. from Stone Hunt. I'm digging into the. I'm digging into the conflict with Ryan. I must. So, it wasn't that you wanted him. It if he, but if he had been like, oh, awesome, thank you. By the way, we still have to do this. Would you have still been upset? No, I would have been like, oh, that's cool." But at the same time, Rye is different than me. I'm way lax. I'm pretty chill. Like, okay, we'll get to it. Rye is on top of stuff. Mm-hmm. Rye also, and Jeff probably knows this better than anyone, Rye does way more for the crafties than I do. And that, because Rye is like, Rye is a little bit of a control freak and he loves to be on every single thing. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, because he's on every single thing, 
He has saved us money in certain places. He makes sure things get out in a timely manner. And I'm I'm the guy that's like, yeah, we'll get it done, man. It's not a big deal. <laughs> but then Rye like stays on you, and I'm like, okay, I just booked Sketchfest. I just booked uh, Riot. I just booked um, the live the podcast. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it'll get done. But Rye constantly like he 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 stays on things. You know what right. I mean? And right. I'm just like, oh, I know it's there. We'll get to it. Yeah, he's ahead of the curve. But I like that. Of course you do. Yeah. I like that because <laughs> for me, a lot of podcasters that I deal with, it's like they're in the ether. Yes. So I'll like, give an example. Yes. We have a Jeff, Ryan, and I have a calendar we share. And I am the one who updates it mm-hmm. for us to say who our guest is going to be. For the listener who might not know, Jeff produces Crap Feast. Yes. And so la- this week's guest, R- Rye was like, hey, did you, ch- did you change that? To Sean O'Connor, I'm like, yeah, it's changed. He goes, didn't come up on my calendar, and I'm like, it's changed. It's in my calendar. Then he hits up. Then an email chain starts with Jeff. Hey Jeff, did you know? And I'm just like, why does this even matter? <laughs> Jeff knows who it is. Right. We know who's next week. And then Rye emails, texts me, and goes, I think we already did Sean O'Connor. Mm-hmm. Like we already released it. And I go, no, we didn't. <laughs> and he's thinking it just because the calendars. He's looking at the calendar, seeing it. I'm like. Why is that an issue? Do you remember all this? I remember all of it. <laughs> Unbelievable. And I'm just sitting there like, why does he care? Like, But obviously, he likes to have his ducks in a row. And Rye is like, don't forget, Rye's had his identity stolen twice. He's mm. been effed over by his cousin, his his uncle. You know what I mean? Like, he killed his dad. A lot of different stuff. <laughs> so, like, Rye is, like, very protective and on top of stuff. Right. And I just, like, like, we got pulled over by the cops one time, and I was driving, and I gave so much attitude to the cop. Like I told the ad, I'm like, why are you pulling me over? Like I was giving him all this attitude and he walked away and I'll turn to Ryan. He goes, what the fuck are you doing? And I go, what? I thought, I thought Ryan would be like, yeah, that's it, man. That's mm-hmm. how you talk to him. And Ryan's like, no, you crazy. You're going to get arrested. I'm like, it's not going to arrest me. And he would never think of talking to a cop like that. And I was just like, I didn't do anything wrong. There's no reason I should be getting pulled over mm-hmm. right now. Now, granted, I did have a taillight out that I didn't know about. And so, you know, it's just, we're just we're very similar but at the same time we're very different people you know what i mean i have lived my life like carefree i live my life like i'm trying to do this one thing in life and i'm not going to stop anything to get to it what's the one thing i want to you know end up being able to tell stories for a living Mm. you know whether it's through whatever medium it's through and so I'm just like, well, if I don't pay car insurance because I can't afford it because I need the time to do stand-up and write during the day, I won't pay car insurance. If I'm not going to pay my student loans so they're going to triple, which they have, mm-hmm. then that's what I'll do. But that would Rye would never do that. But he, he's a more cautious type oh, of Oh, yeah. Guy. And I'm just like, fuck it. Let's go for it. Let's just let's just try this. Let's just do this. Let's try that. Or right. don't worry. We'll we'll sign the contract. Like there have been times when like advertisers have been like, hey, can you sign that contract? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll get it. And then I'm like, something comes up. Like, I get to an audition. I'm like, and Rye's like, dude, what's going on? I'm like, what do you think you're going to drop us? <laughs> and it, But we, we could. So I'm lucky that Rye stays on me because, and I'll just give it back to him on days that I don't want to hear it. <laughs> uh, okay. So back to Sean Stitchfield's question. His favorite bar of all time. What is your favorite bar of all time? I don't have one. I, I think it's impossible. It's like, what's your favorite song of all time? Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have a favorite bar. I have a... I love all kinds of bars. Uh, preferably, I'd like a bar with a fireplace in it, you know? Um, maybe one that has hot apple cider on like a wood-burning stove mm-hmm. going when you walk in and they turn it into a Navy grog or something like that. Um, but, you know, 
if it's a Sunday afternoon and we're in Boston and it's August and I'm with friends and family and we're drinking, that would probably be my favorite bar at that moment. You know, see, this is a problem of mine and I think it's, I don't know where it comes from, but I can't, I don't latch on to many things. I just latch on to whatever the moment is, you know, like I don't, I don't go looking for m- music bands. I turn the radio, if there's a good song, I'm like, oh, I like this and then I'll, download it and i'll listen to it till i'm sick of it mm-hmm. but i don't like go see bands or i just i don't know i've never really been like passionate about things in that way like i don't have i've never been a regular at a bar where mm-hmm. like i show up all the time they're like hey and they know what i want you know like i just want to try different things and see where i'm at and see what it's like you know i'm just never i don't know i've just never been like that hmm. and i, I kind of like wish i had the moment yeah i kind of am you know i kind of am which is a good and a bad but um that's who I am. Let's do Just Me or Everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Okay. You guys have so much cool stuff. We Thank just, you. We just tell stories. This is where people write in with things they think or do and they wonder, is it just me or is it everyone? Adam, and then we say whether Mm -hmm. this is us as well. Adam says, I burp on the treadmill and my heart rate goes down significantly. Just me or everyone? Or just serious cardiopulmonary medical condition? I've never heard of this. And I'm not a doctor. When I'm on the treadmill, my left foot goes numb. Mm -hmm. And that's with any exercise because I have a bad sciatic. Never had a burping issue. Um, So, no. It's weird the burp would make his heart rate go down. Well, I think that might be off because what's he, is he holding on while he runs and then all of a sudden he's burping and he's checking it? I don't (laughs) know. I've always had a very low heart rate, so mine's always going down. Mm -hmm. So, I have no idea. How's your blood pressure? Perfect. Good. I recently. Sorry. (laughs) I love that you're a little upset. Oh, fine. fine. (laughs) Are you still with my thunder? Because mine's very low, too. Okay. Uh, kind of wish i hadn't detoured like that in high school i had a resting heartbeat of 42 beats a minute it's like an olympic runners that's i know my biology rate. teacher didn't believe me he didn't believe me and then in college they sent me home to a doctor because they felt like i had a regular heartbeat and they're like nah man you just got a dope ass heart wow like, peace and then i put I, I stopped that real quick when you get nervous uh do you have a physical reaction I think I, I feel it. I mean, I know I'm nervous. Like, do you ever feel your heart pounding or no. anything? No. I mean, no. I maybe. I'll have to check in next time I'm getting nervous. Yep. Let, let me know. I will. I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> Amanda Watts says, get excited when a typically tame podcast begins with dis- with a disclaimer like this episode contains profanity and or explicit content. I mean, I could see it. I could see getting excited by that. I don't. I don't get excited to buy anything that like, you know, they'll, they'll like, um, you see that on TV. The only time maybe if they say nudity, I'm like, oh, nice little <laughs> boob shot here just because that's what's going on. But um, no, I don't I don't get excited. Danielle says in the car, it makes me nuts when a person crosses a street or parking lot diagonally. Don't waste my time trying to save yours. I, I think I, I might be that person that does the diagonal. Yeah. Oof. Dicey. I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that. What was her name? Danielle. Danielle. I'm on board. Like if I see someone park wrong or if I just don't like when people, this is the thing, especially in LA, people are so worried about what they're doing. They never mm-hmm. look in the rear view like, oh, am I doing something that's blocking someone else? They don't give a shit. Right. And I agree with her. Don't, yeah, what are you doing? 
don't take up my time because you're trying to do your thing because you're only worried about yourself. All right. Follow the rules like everybody else. I see your point. I'm just saying, I think you uh, crossing a parking lot diagonally. First of all, it's illegal. To cross a parking lot? Yes. Diagonally? You can't cut through parking spaces. If there's a white line there, you're supposed to go around it. Now, trust me, I'd, be, I'd do Not it. Th- what are you talking about? Oh, my goodness. I oh, thought what she is was she talking saying, about like, a pedestrian. No, I totally agree with her. She's talking about a... a I I thought... In the car, it it makes me nuts when a person crosses a street or parking lot diagonally. Don't waste my time trying to save yours. Is she talking about pedestrians or is she talking about a driver? I don't know. But if she's talking about pedestrian, like how long are they... Oh, because what are they crossing one street than the other? I get what she's saying because then you're trying to make a right turn maybe. I don't know. I get it though. I... Either way, I relate to her because I have angst with people doing things however they want and they don't care how it affects everybody else. Okay. Jen says, my favorite lounging pants are the ones where the elastic has worn out. Makes me feel like I've lost weight. I never thought of it that way, but I love that. I can imagine that feeling of like these elastic pants are, they don't, they won't even cinch all the way and it's because they're broken essentially. You've broken the elastic in your pants. Yeah. See, it's the the opposite <laughs> of why she loves them right. is what happened. Um, I don't have that because I don't have elastic pants, but um, I do like it when I put pants on and they're smaller. I'm like, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even if they're just pants I haven't worn in a while, like when you're putting weight on, so you go up a size and you're mm. like, man, these are kind of, these are <laughs> like, nah, man, you look big. J uh, Mo's for A-Rose says, put my earbuds in to keep people from talking to me when I'm busy, even if I'm not listening to anything with them. I, th- I think that is everyone. That's got to be everyone. Never done it. Really? Yeah, never done it. Huh. I don't really use my earbuds that much. Again, I'm not a big music freak. So like, I think in New York, that'd be a great thing to do. Just have them in. Yeah. Or you're like at a work, you know, you have them in. But uh, it's a strong play. You can make people watch what you're, what you're saying. Right. Andrew Kim says, never buys the right proportion of food items at the grocery store and always ends up running to the store to buy one thing. I would not say always, but I'm the person who on the way home is like, oh, fuck, I forgot to get... And it's usually like toilet paper or something. Yeah. Like that one thing that I really actually needed. Doesn't happen to me that often. It happened to my wife today. She was coming home from yoga and she was going to get almond milk so I could make a shake. And then she get home and she's like, sorry I'm late. I ran into Alice, blah, blah, blah. And I go, did you get almond milk? She's like, oh, no. It's a very LA story. I know. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I'm trying to better my body. So she went back out. And mm-hmm. then we also forgot detergent because we need detergent. But either way, um, I go with a list. You don't go with a list? I make the list. We were also mm. on a eating much better, so we make mm. a full grocery list, go once a week. We have it all. We know what our meals are going to be. We're cooking at home. That's smart. Well, you, we were cooking every meal at home. You plan out your meals for how, like, for like. do you know what you're going to eat tomorrow for breakfast, lunch, dinner? I, I know what I'll have for breakfast every day and lunch every day because I've been eating the same thing because I'm trying to, like, lose weight. Mm-hmm. But, like, dinner, we'll mix it up. But we'll just get, like, ground turkey meat, ground beef, chicken so we know what those and we can do meals off of those but we need to have things that match with them but we were dropping so much money at the grocery store like serious money we're like i said to my wife i'm like this is crazy like we were doing this cleanse we were dropping like serious money and then i did the math guess how much it was working out to per person per meal fifty dollars four bucks oh so if you think you spend (laughs) a lot of money at the grocery store do the math you're not right we were spending Three hundred dollars a week at the grocery store. Yeah, sounds like a lot. And then think of it—that's seven, fourteen, twenty-one meals a week for the three of us. Mm. Twenty-one meals divided by you know, if it was ten dollars a meal, well, that's wait—is that right? It's a lot of math seven happening. times three is twenty-one. Sixty-three meals a week. Mm-hmm. 
So if you're spending two dollars, uh, three dollars a meal at sixty one, that's one hundred eighty bucks. You're dropping six bucks a meal, four right. bucks. Come on, man. So now, uh, what will you be having for breakfast and lunch tomorrow? I'll have a shake and then a salad. S- sensible. Thanks. Commercial. <laughs> it's boring. I'm not. Trust me. With best bars in America, you go out. I eat. I could eat and fuck up, but I'm all or nothing kind of guy. Mm. Either I'm eating healthy or I'm not. Kelly, wait, we should play snack chat for him just so he knows that we have it because he likes our cool stuff. I mean the drop. Snack chat. We talk about snacks enough that we needed that. There's other stuff we talk about a lot too, though. Here's my question. What is your fast food Lollapalooza? Like, if you could go and get your favorite item from every fast food place oh and have it God. in one meal, like, you know, your favorite bands at Lollapalooza. I, this is a bar. I'm not a fast food person. Oh, okay. But, but if I had to choose fast food, I would get a filet of fish. Oh, my God. Stop. Stop right now. You have one chance to to indulge in the gross that's stuff and you get a filet of fish. I, that's what I'm saying. I'm not like a real fast foodie yeah. person. So fast I don't have foody. my... Dude, that's That a, should be a thing. Yeah, that yeah. should. I'm a fast right. foodie. Oh, you're going but to if McDonald's? I was reaching... nah, I'm a fast foodie. <laughs> that is definitely something <laughs> shit. Brand what that What would a now. fast foodie go to? In and out or something? No, a fast foodie. It doesn't matter. You're a fast foodie. Yeah. You're all about fast food. So you'd be like... Uh, oh, would you get a Burger King? Uh, no, I get the original <laughs> chicken sandwich, fast foodie. Um, but if if calories and all and carbohydrates and all that shit did not matter, I would get like a huge hunk of bread with just a brick of butter and go to town. Like bread oh my god, have you been thing. to Superba? Mm-mm. What is that? <laughs> it's a restaurant in like it's Venice Mar Vista area, but they have like bread that's like four inches thick, mm-hmm. and they put butter, garlic, and herbs on it, and they serve it. They serve it cut in half on top of each other with a steak knife through it. Wow. And it's it's dumb how good it is. I mean, dumb. It sounds stupid. Oh, it's so stupid. That bread is so dumb. Fast Ke- foodie. <laughs> Kelly Vopalak says, if I accidentally like a sponsored post or a post from the Jenner Kardashians on Instagram, I make sure to quickly unlike it. I can relate to that. I don't like any of those sponsored posts because I just don't want to sponsor them right but i always click them (laughs) i always click you know what i do this is my worst thing is i'll be on the web and i get to the bottom of the page and it's like top 20 cities to live in i'm like done right the latest one i saw was top 30 militaries in the world wow they ranked them they wow. got ranked. I was like, where do we stand? Of course, we were one. I'm always like, but the thing is, it's always these websites that I've never heard of. Never. Where are they? Who's and trafficking they have awful, them? Yeah. There's there's one awful one that keeps coming up. It's like celebrities whose spouses are uglier than you'd think. Something. <laughs> Can you believe they? I know. It's right. unbelievable. Yeah. It's and then awful. you go down the wormhole. You're like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. Yep. Christine Sizemore says, sometimes save podcasts just so I can binge on them, but I'm sad when they are over. I think a lot of people do that. I think a lot of people do that, yeah. And last, You're not alone. Lastly, Kara Peen Peen Bruda says, I don't think Peen Peen was his or her given middle name, my wiper speeds never accommodate rain intensity, always end up flicking the knob by hand every few seconds. Sometimes. 
I mean, that's definitely annoying to me, especially yeah. in LA because it doesn't rain that much. And you're like, you know what? The slowest speed isn't enough or it's too much. You know, it's so right. little and I don't want to keep doing it. I, yeah. I totally feel for you. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could be able to set your own speeds. Ooh, Ooh. that would be good. Hello. That should be a new thing in cars. And it would be like your seat where you have three mm-hmm. memories. So if your, your wife likes her setting... One for the valet, right. one for you. <laughs> the valet setting. Fast foodie and valet wiper setting. I'm telling you right now, fast foodie is going to be a book. Someone's going to put a book called yeah. Fast Foodie, and it's going to be like a foodie book for fast. I mean, fuck it. That's a slam dunk. If someone put out that book and then someone was looking for a place to buy that book, I would recommend that they go to Amazon and that they click through the banner on my website, AllisonRosen.com, to buy Fast Foodie when it comes out. But in the meantime, you can buy all the other stuff you're going to buy on Amazon there. Um, and hey, if you're doing your holiday shopping, which you probably are, or try to doing all kinds of shopping, uh, click through my banner. Thank you guys so much for your Amazon support. It means a whole lot to the show. And also thank you for PayPal support. PayPal links on the right side of the website. We have ringtones available. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. But also... You can get these uh, on Gumroad, G-U-M-R-O-A-D.com slash Allison Rosen, Gumroad.com slash Allison Rosen. Also, the song that Greg Heller wrote for the Al Quiz, these are Thursday show things, um, is available there for a pay-what-you-wish price. And speaking of the Thursday show, if this is the first time you've listened to my show, and if so, thank you so much. Um, subscribe, iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen. And we also come out on Thursdays, and Thursdays a little bit of a different format. It's a panel show, and that is where all these ringtones, well, not all of them, but some of the ringtones and whatnot come from. Also, the ringtones are available on iTunes for more of an iTunes person. We have bonus episodes uh, that you can get in the comedy album section of iTunes and we have t-shirts if you go to my website click on the t-shirt and I'll take you to the site to buy a shirt um, follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F email us A-R-I-Y-N-B-F show at gmail.com Jeff where should we go for you? You can find me on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox and my podcast is Barracuda Radio Jay Larson tell everyone where they can find you and what they should look for and all of that you can find me at jlarsoncomedy.com or jlarsoncomedy on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest. Really? Ooh. Really? I don't pin that much anymore. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. And uh, the Crab Feast podcast comes out every Tuesday. You can go to thecrabfeast.com for any episodes. Get them on iTunes. Everything's on the page. And uh, all my live dates I promote on the podcast or I, I list. And uh, if you're in San Francisco, we'll be at San Francisco Sketch Fest. And then we'll be in L.A. doing Riot L.A. on the 31st. And I'm in Honolulu on the 30th, if anyone's out there in Honolulu. And uh, the 18th and 19th in La Jolla, if anyone's in La Jolla, um, at the Comedy Store. Excellent. So that's enough. Thank you so much. Oh, my God. Thanks for having me. It was great talking to you. Fun. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know... About the Alice and Rosen show. 